everyone, and welcome back to Practically Zero Waste, a podcast for making zero waste living as practical as possible. I'm your host, Elspeth Callahan, and this week on the pod, I'm chatting with three special guests, Danny Witt of Lonely Whale and Alexander and Leo, members of the youth activism organization Ocean Heroes. Having three people on a call was a bit tricky, getting the audio just right, but it was an incredibly inspiring conversation with these three, and certainly the youngest folks to have ever been on Practically Zero Waste. So take a listen to the work that they're doing and get inspired to know that you are never too young to start making a difference. Let's go. Danny, can you tell me a bit about your involvement in Ocean Heroes and how the organization came about? Really, Ocean Heroes Network was founded in 2017, uh, but it wouldn't have started without uh, a viral video that took place around 2015. You might have seen uh, the video of a straw being pulled from a turtle's nose right. um, down in the Caribbean. And that viral video really ignited a fury of rightfully impatient youth in the next generation to take action for the ocean. And what ended up happening was we received a, a ton of outreach at the time before Ocean Heroes was actually started, there were two organizations that came together to form Ocean Heroes, Captain Planet Foundation and Lonely Well. And it made our executive directors think, what do we do about the kids? Captain Planet was running youth programming for educators. Lonely Well was running impact campaigns for adults. And that really spurred the founding of Ocean Heroes Network. And that's really what kicked it off. And our goal overall is to provide agency to youth to empower them and connect them with other like-minded environmentalists to take action for our oceans. Amazing. What is Captain Planet and the Lonely Whale? What what kind of work are they doing or have they been doing um, in advance of Ocean Heroes Network being formed? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Captain Planet Foundation works directly with educators and provides youth programming around a range of different topics from urban gardening to wildlife conservation to um, even depollination and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And they focus primarily on empowering educators with programs and tools to then relay that information to youth to take action and be educated on specific environmental issues. Captain Planet Foundation, their name is derived from the TV show, Captain Planet. So um, in Lonely Well, we were founded in 2015 by Adrian Grenier and Lucy Sompner, really from a Kickstarter campaign on the hunt for the world's loneliest well that was calling out at 52 hertz. And that spurred a uh, coming together of a handful of creative folks to start Lonely Well as an NGO. We primarily focused on impact campaigns. So you might know Lonely Well from Strawless in Seattle, which was our first impact campaign. Oh, okay. Focused on working with Seattle as a city and different companies and restaurants to remove plastic straws, single-use plastic straws from the city for a month and then measure the impact. And that's part of the reason why um, I think so many youth were drawn to Lonely Well as a whole because we had a straw campaign going on following the viral video of the straw being pulled out of the turtle's yeah. nose. 
Wow. Well, thank you. Um, we also have Alexander and Leo with us today, who are both ocean heroes on their in their own right. Alex, maybe you can go first. Can you tell me your age and a little bit about how you came to be involved with Ocean Heroes? Yeah, sure. Uh, like you said, my name is Alexander. I'm 12-year-old. I'm in seventh grade at Morris Jeff. I've been going to the Ocean Heroes Boot Camp for three years now, since wow. 2018, which was when it started. And me and Leo really just got involved when my mom heard from a friend that the day before Ocean Heroes started that this thing called Ocean Heroes was going on to educate youth about helping the oceans. And we got involved. And we've just been going ever since. That's awesome. Wow. And Leo, can you tell me how old you are and maybe what you like about Ocean Heroes? Yeah. As we said, I'm Leo. And I'm me and Alexander. We have been an ocean hero for a while. Have been ocean heroes for a while now. Here we are on this podcast after three years, like Alexander said. Just because Alexander was finally eleven last year, so the first two years we were underage. We were both underage. But now that Alexander's eleven, he can interact with ocean heroes more. Since he's doing that, we've now started a campaign, and we've gotten this far. I think it's pretty cool That's how awesome. far we've gotten. Yeah, amazing. Oh, I can't wait to ask about your campaign. What was the moment that you kind of realized that you wanted to help the planet? Um, I know that maybe your mom kind of introduced you to Ocean Heroes, but did you already kind of have a sense that we were doing the planet not a lot of good. We needed to make a difference. Let's see, yeah. So my mom is an activist. Woo-hoo. And so we kind of grew up being in a household where activism and progressive ideas were kind of the norm. And me and Leo had kind of heard about the ocean and how bad things were going on. And we knew some facts about the ocean and how it was being harmed by humans. And at least, I, I don't know about Leo, but for myself, I felt like I wanted to help the ocean, but I just really didn't know what I wanted to do about it. So then when we went to Ocean Heroes, we finally got the support we needed. Last year, we just started a campaign, and we're doing that right now. That's great. Leo, were you inspired by your brother to make change, or do you have your own reasons for wanting to help the planet as well? Well, yes, I am inspired by Alexander, but also we did grow up in a family with activism in our blood, so we both knew, and it's really just that he's inspiring by the way that he holds up the fort in our campaign, and he can really remind us what we're working on in the moment so i'd like to pipe up for a minute and say i did not instruct these children to talk about their household being such an activist household (laughs) (laughs) we did look at your questions in advance and talked about the question of inspiration but um i just didn't think (laughs) you're my inspiration no (laughs) my my son is two and it's my dream for him to like be 12 years old in 10 years and say my mom an activist <laughs> I love her <laughs> okay, I'll, you guys I'll rock. Get that I just want a disclaimer <laughs> <laughs> 
So Danny, would you be able to provide a bit more uh, background information about um, what an Ocean Heroes boot camp looks like? Uh, it's for ages, youth ages 11 to 18, I believe. And this year it was online, but normally is it in person? And what kind of things do you uh, encounter at a boot camp? So I'm relatively new to the um, Lonely Well and Ocean Heroes team. Basically what happens at an Ocean Heroes boot camp, I think it's important to say that this program is absolutely free. Uh, we wow. sponsor youth from around the globe to attend. That's travel, that's housing, meals, everything. Whoa. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a huge undertaking to do it in person and also um, gathering youth from around the world. We've, I feel like we've gone through so many learning opportunities from understanding how to get visas approved and facing challenge of youth that, you know, may not be able to make it because of getting those visas approved. So that I think the in-person is really, really special. And what we've done, starting in New Orleans, we worked with several other uh, NGOs to develop a track focused on critical campaigning steps and skills to educate and empower youth to help develop an action plan to take action for the ocean when they leave boot camp. So mm -hmm. typically you can think of these boot camps as basic training. So they learn how to identify the issue by using data. How do you incorporate that data and science into a pitch? How do you pitch? How do you create a budget? How do you leverage collaboration and partnership to advance your campaign forward? And that's really the crux of the boot camp is following mm -hmm. that step-by-step -step process on how to build a campaign or an action plan. Yeah. But it's also layered in with keynote speakers, breakout groups with other youth. And really, I think most importantly, it connects youth from around the globe that are passionate about the ocean. And it's an the opportunity for them to really find their community that they may not ha have in their own sphere back home, which is incredible because it really opens up their opportunities and gives them perspective to challenges that might be common around the globe that these youth are facing and dealing with. So these boot camps that we've held in person are really basic training. And then following up after boot camp, youth submit their campaign planners back to us at Ocean Heroes HQ. We review, provide feedback, and then also help with additional skills and tools such as media training, social media training, uh, alternatives to single-use plastic kits to take to restaurants uh, oh, yeah. to convert them from plastics to more sustainable products, whether that's takeout containers or straws, and really continue to support these ocean heroes after boot camp. Because once they finish this boot camp in person or virtually, that's really when the work begins. What an opportunity. That is such an incredible thing to be able to be willing to sign up for. Like that is taking activism to a whole new level from being a dreamer about saving the planet, Alexander and Leo, to uh, actually putting together a campaign. Alexander, do you mind telling me a little bit about your campaign and what that, uh, how you came up with the idea? Yeah, so 
Our campaign is called Operation Green NOLA. We're focusing on trying to eliminate the use of single-use plastic and styrofoam takeout containers in greater in the greater New Orleans area. I came up with this idea just when I was thinking about what I wanted to do for a campaign. And at this point, I was in New Orleans, so I could take inspiration directly from what I saw around me. And one thing I noticed that really troubled me was whenever I rode my bike in our city park, I would also I would always see plastics and styrofoam containers of like Wendy's and Burger King just mm-hmm. sitting on the ground next to our bayou. And that was really shocking to me that people would use the space of the bayou for entertainment and for themselves and then in the same moment harm the bayou that they're using. And so that was that's how I decided that I was going to focus on plastic takeout and styrofoam. I love how that just clicked for you that for a lot of people there is a disconnect between the public places that they're in, maybe the natural spaces that they're in and their negative impact on it, like littering or leaving their garbage around or um, idling their car for a long time. So things like that, I love that it clicked for you that those are absolutely connected, that the space that we're in and enjoying is related to what we're doing to it in the end. That's a great connection for people. Uh, As far as your campaign goes, um, what is the next step for you? What is the the action plan that you had to kind of outline for Ocean Heroes? It's a big task. Yeah, so right now we're still in kind of the foundation phases Mm -hmm. in that we're still working on our website. We're working on our social media. We're still getting everything kind of set up. So our next stage is going to be going to restaurants we know that are already making an impact are already changing the ways that they use takeout and to them saying, hey, would you be interested in joining this campaign and being a partner to this campaign so we can convince other restaurants to do the same as you? So we're trying to make our campaign seem look like a win-win where if when you change, you can get promoted, you get more customers because you're making this one small change that the number of customers you get ultimately cancels out the slight more costlier cost of the sustainable materials. Great. What are the alternatives that you're thinking of having people offer as opposed to single-use plastic and styrofoam? That's really one of the next steps we're um, doing. I'm in communication with the owner of Hanson Snowblitz, which is a snowball shop down here. Mm. And she has... They have cups that are sustainable and that are compostable. And so she gave me the name of the provider that they use. So right now we're working on getting in touch with them to see what they use and how we can offer their products to other restaurants. Also, Ocean Heroes has given us supplies like paper cups and They've given us a lot of paper straws. (laughs) And also, they've really carried us through these times that that we're going through right now. Because even if we ordered some of the sustainable things from other places, they would most likely come with a tape box 
which is still plastic, mm -hmm. and things like that. Small things that people don't realize. Yeah, and so Ocean Heroes, when they're supplying you with the alternatives, the more sustainable alternatives, they're considering the packaging that they're shipping it to you with, aren't they? Yeah. Do you know if the area that you're in, in New Orleans, offers municipal compost pickup? At the moment, New Orleans does not offer compost, but many organizations are individually offering to pick up compost and accept compost, such as Longview, my mother's organization. Oh, great. Not my mother's organization, but a place that my mom works at, Longview, and other organizations who have started accepting compost that they're going to use, as well as families individually deciding to do compost in their own lives. Great, yeah. I just know that sometimes with um, alternatives, and I am totally in favor of getting rid of the single-use plastics, but from my experience in Canada, uh, I think it was A&W, um, a burger restaurant chain, had made the switch, the very probably hard one switch to having only compostable packaging as uh, like a big selling feature about them. And I, I love it and I want that, uh, but we don't have universal compost management facilities um, that would accept packaging like that. Uh, at least in my city, um, that's been in the works for many years, but hasn't come about yet. And so it's it is still going in the garbage, but I think it is still better than having styrofoam going in the garbage, right? Somebody tell me that's right. Yeah, that is true. All right. Danny or anyone uh, who would like to give me the current situation uh, that our oceans are in as far as plastic pollution. People listening to this might be familiar with something like the Pacific Garbage Patch or, like you said at the beginning, the, the video that went viral of a straw being in a sea turtle's a sea turtle's nose, these kind of more shocking presentations of what is happening to our ocean are probably the only ones that really reach people. But are, what is the, the broader situation like regarding garbage in our oceans? Yeah, absolutely, Elspeth. I think as a whole, plastic waste right now is entering the ocean at an alarming rate at about 11 million metric tons a year. Oh, what? Which which is wild. And that's that's this year. What? So this plastic is obviously harming marine life and damaging habitat. And we're really at a pivotal moment. Not to say we couldn't have changed sooner, but right now it's mission critical. Because without immediate and sustained action, the amount of plastic that will end up in the ocean will triple by 2040 which is oh, only 20 gosh. years away. Yeah. So going from 11 million metric tons to 29 million metric tons per year, just to kind of visualize that, think of every single coastline across the globe, Greenland, the US, South America, Africa, India, everywhere. It's the same as dumping 110 pounds of plastic on every meter of coastline around the world. And just to really like showcase that in another way it's similar to every meter of coastline seeing a traditional porcelain toilet that's the weight of plastic that oh, is on holy. 
going into the ocean by 2040 if we don't make immediate change, which is wild, right? Yeah, geez. So uh, there is, you know, the great Pacific garbage patch, and there's so much information on that. Not only what's on the surface, what's but what's below the surface, and all of this plastic pollution. It's damaging coral reefs and deep sea trenches. It's on remote islands. It's in our north and south poles. It's uh, harming wildlife and damaging ecosystems function and the services that it provides to not only other marine life and really the ecosystem as a whole, but also us humans. More than 800 species are already known to be affected by marine plastic pollution. Mm. Not only sea turtles, but 40% of crustacean species and over 40% of marine bird species are being affected by this marine plastic pollution. And that all ladders up through, you know, the food chain. I mean, converting that to humans, how does that impact us? The average human is consuming a credit card's worth of plastic every week, which over a year results in half a pound of plastic that we consume without us knowing it because of the food chain. So there's some real major issues that are happening And I think the effects are not really visualized or understood by the majority of the population, but everyone is truly affected by it. Yeah, as someone who has never grown up near the ocean, it's not something that's often on my mind, which, you know, if somebody has not grown up near mountains, then you're not thinking about mountains. And if you're not growing up near a beach, you're not thinking about a beach all the time. So it's a strange thing to have the ocean be presented as another environmental crisis that's just sitting, um, being filled with all of this plastic, all of this single-use stuff that's meant to last forever, even though it's only meant to be used for a few minutes. Yeah, and I think... Two, something that's been very surprising to me personally, I mean, I grew up on the Texas coast in a really rural area, but whenever I look at ocean heroes that are participating within this program, another example of an ocean hero that we have that, you know, is in a landlocked state in Tennessee, they're passionate about the ocean. They've been very focused on watching planet Earth and mm-hmm several other documentaries and knowing that all water leads to the sea leads to the ocean they've even started campaigns from starting off monofilament recycling containers outside of municipal lakes or ponds where people fish to put discarded fishing lines so it is it is like you want to be you want to know and believe that everyone understands the problem, but it's all about perspective and impact on people's personal lives. But it is pretty inspiring and amazing to see youth from around the globe that are in landlocked areas realizing the nature of the issue and how it impacts all of us globally in landlocked areas or on coastal areas and taking action for that change. I absolutely appreciate the reminder that all water leads to the ocean why does that not 
uh, occur to me before. So it you feel maybe like you're detached from it. If you're not right on the coastline, you're not seeing the effects of garbage floating in your um in on the beach or something like that. And you would maybe, yeah, feel detached. And so reminding yourself that rivers, creeks and streams and lakes and uh, bays anywhere that you're living close to water, um, it all leads to the ocean and and it's all tied to the greater ecosystem of the planet. Does fighting plastic pollution just mean straws? I know I know that's uh, kind of a silly question because you're going to tell me no, of course, it's more than that. But like, why are straws such an easy entry point for people to start caring about ocean pollution? Well, straws, like Danny said in the beginning of the podcast, that viral video of the straw being pulled out of a turtle's nose, mm-hmm. things like that in a campaign can really can really raise you up above other campaigns. When people see things like that, they're like, wow, this is really bad for the earth. Mm-hmm. Also, about the thing you said before, single-use plastics aren't necessarily single-use. The fact that they break down over hundreds of years, that means they can be used a lot they can be used for your whole life imagine imagine getting one single use takeout coffee cup at the beginning of your life and you're like here you go guys you have to make this last <laughs> yeah so straws are such a a common thing too that maybe a lot of people are more familiar with here in, in the fast food world then straws are everywhere if you're going out to restaurants straws are everywhere and so that's just something maybe universal maybe more um, familiar to people than the plastic waste being left behind by the fishing industry the mass fishing industry um, and also like you just said the plastic fishing line that is always like if it gets tangled while someone is fishing people are always leaving that on the the shores of the river near my house and it's it's something that maybe people think oh well it's small or it's gonna break down so it's fine to leave it but that like that in itself is is litter and the larger fishing industry globally is leaving behind huge amounts of of plastic waste um, from their fishing lines and nets and all kinds of stuff and yeah. so but it's hard to wrap your mind around that because you're just like well i'm not a fisherman so i don't know about the fishing nets but i do know about straws so i can get behind that elspeth i think too it's it's something that if you don't see it you don't come in contact with it on a regular basis it's it's almost like it's not there you're not aware of it yeah. and commercial fi- fishing supplies such as nets lines pots traps a lot of them within the commercial fishing industry are dumped and discarded in the sea every year Ugh. at a at a rate that is so high it's the same just to create another analogy it's the same weight as 55,000 double decker buses of commercial <laughs> fisting gear is left in the ocean annually that's uh, appalling but also that analogy also means very little to me i'm just like i don't even know how much one deck double decker bus weighs i imagine I... a lot that sounds like a <laughs> lot of oh geez there's just so much garbage no and and absolutely and and to answer your your question you know like people you can't really comprehend like how big is a double decker bus or like what is the commercial fishing industry doing and i think with our initial campaign strawless in seattle what it Mm -hmm. did 
was take a piece of plastic that, to Leo's point, lasts hundreds of years and can be used several times. Something that we come in contact with every single day. Yeah. Especially five years ago when there weren't as many plastic bans. And the purpose of that impact campaign was to create an emotional connection around something they used every day and make people stop and think. Like it's an entry, it's like the entry, uh, what is it called? The entry drug, if you will, into understanding (laughs) what plastic pollution really is. It's something that you see every day, you use every day. Do you actually need to use it? And by no means are straws the biggest threat to ocean health, but they're familiar, they're relatable, and we use them as a symbol as a gateway to larger conversations about the danger of all plastics. That's really breaking it down in a way that people understand, oh, this is an issue. And this is something I use every day. It's something small. So what does that mean if it's, you know, my plastic water bottle about at the grocery store? Or what is this object that I purchased that I meant to use for a year and then discard. Mm -hmm. So it starts a bigger conversation. A lot of the problem of plastic pollution isn't necessarily that plastics are inherently evil because plastics weren't meant to destroy the earth. They helped in World War II. They were meant to really help the earth but gradually we've seen how they impact the earth in a negative way so a lot of plastic pollution isn't necessarily the plastic itself it's how we use it in a detached i don't know in a detached way yeah and to bring together what both of you are saying alexander and um danny it's that what is familiar to me and what is within my control to take action immediately um, and it's the same with the whole zero waste conversation. Lots of people kind of rag on the zero waste movement because it's all about, you know, kind of surface level things like the straw, like a plastic water bottle, like just doing these swaps in your household and trying to reduce your own personal negative impact and trying to live more consciously. Amazing. So important. And so important, too, that we think about the larger issues. But it's, again, thinking about how, you know, racial justice and climate justice is all fitting into this big conversation about how we have to fix the world now. And then there's our oceans and then there's our air quality and all of these overwhelming larger issues or what can feel overwhelming. It's really nice to bring it back to your own individual actions every once in a while to be able to take a deep breath and think, okay, I can eliminate single-use stuff here and there and uh, help help a restaurant in my area to take it to the next level and help uh, my friends and family to take it to the next level. It's that way of reacting to something that is an overwhelming problem that maybe we can't change uh, just on our own. Uh, we need the community to get involved, but for now, we can just focus on the straws. <laughs> and and to your point, within Ocean Heroes Boot Camp and, and just the Ocean Heroes that exit the program and youth or people that are fighting against plastic pollution, there's really three levers of change. There's supply, there's demand, and there's policy. And a lot of our Ocean Heroes leave with a campaign that is specifically targeted against creating awareness from a demand standpoint, which is similar to straws, like question if you need that single-use plastic straw, question if you need that Ziploc bag for your house, can you use beeswax? But then 
the issue that Leo and Alexander are tackling is from a supply side with restaurants and supplying more eco-friendly materials. But then what we've also seen is these campaigns and this data that's collected and the impact that's being made then ladders up to policy, which is really where we can stop plastic pollution and the impact on our environment at the head, really upstream in changing policy in all of these cases, all of these campaigns, the great work that Leo and Alex are doing, that adds up and then it gets the attention of policymakers, governments, and that's really where the change needs to start mm-hmm. to then provide more affordable and more sustainable products for us to consume and utilize. Yeah, that's great. In our campaign, the ultimate goal is to get a bill in New Orleans, a bill or law in New Orleans that's banning the use of single-use and styrofoam in the takeout industry. So that's our ultimate goal, and it goes to what Danny said about how we're trying to more focus on laddering up to the policy side from the business side. Amazing. Alexander and Leo, in that order, can you tell me, is there anyone who is inspiring you in your mission to help the planet that you want to tell our listeners about? Yeah, for me, it's my mom and Leah. My mom was the person who really got me interested in activism. She, like I said, was an, is an activist. And we figured out from a young age that activism is an important thing and activism can make change. Um, I'm also inspired by Leo, my brother, because he has this way of like getting along with people that I know can be like really helpful in activism because the more somebody feels connected to you, the more inspired they'll be to make a change or advocate. That's amazing. And Leo, do you have anyone who's inspiring you? Yeah, my whole family inspiring me. <laughs> Sorry, that's my kid. <laughs> everybody, everybody in my family is supporting our campaign, and they're really going along with it well, and accepting that we have we have to do campaign work sometimes, so we might miss one or two things. Hmm. Yeah. And what is your advice? We'll start with Leo. What is your advice for people your age uh, to help them get involved in climate activism too? Well, I think for people my age, you really just have to keep your head in the game because everybody can tell that it's really important if you're this young and you go to a boot camp that, that three years ago I was four years too young to be in. And Alexander, what is your advice for people who are your age who you want to have, you want to help them get involved in climate activism as well? It's kind of like what Leo said, but it's just like, whatever happens, just keep on going. As I've discovered over the past couple months that activism really isn't easy. Uh, People don't tell you how to play the game. They don't even give you all the pieces, but you just have to figure it out as you go along and solve the problems as they come to you. Amazing, yeah. When does your campaign start, or has it already started? Our campaign has started, although we are, like I said, still in the foundation phases. We're still making it on our website. We're still getting a set up for a campaign. It has started as of right now. 
Um, and where can people go to learn more about it? What will your website be? When we get it up, our website will be called gogreenyall.com. That's great. Danny, what advice do you have for young people who want to take action for our planet? I would say for youth, something that I've really realized from uh, being fairly new to the program, I'm so inspired by this next generation that's coming into the world and taking action for the environment or standing up for a cause in general. And I think the best piece of advice is if something doesn't feel right or if you're passionate about something, youth's voice are stronger and have more impact than a lot of adults' voices do. You're able to influence your parents, policymakers, business owners. There's a, a, a sense of innocence may not be the right word, but awareness of the impact that their actions will have on the future generation of our world. Mm-hmm. And your voice is super powerful right now. And I, I hate to say this because I, I wish it wasn't true, but the older that you get, the more your voice is cluttered because there's more competition to compete against. Yeah. And the power that you have while you're a youth, I mean, youth can be described as ages from, you know, as as young as, you know, three to 18 to 25. There's a time limit on really creating a lot of change at a young level. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really the best advice I can give is if you feel passionate about a subject or an issue, use your voice connect with organizations that you align with that can support you and then just let it out share it go for it that's amazing um where can people go to learn more about ocean heroes the lonely whale and captain planet yeah so i i would say go to oceanheroeshq.com Mm-hmm. And that has all the information that everyone uh, would need to, to learn about Captain Planet Lonely Well, but specifically Ocean Heroes. And this coming December, we're starting to expand and we'll be launching our first ever regional boot camp developed by Caribbean youth and Caribbean NGOs to focus on common issues in the Caribbean. So right now we're taking registrations for youth there and in the upcoming year in 2021, we'll be doing multiple regional boot camps across different regions in the world, but then also having another global boot camp in June of 2021. So oceanheroeshq.com or you can follow us at oceanheroeshq on Instagram. That's great. Thank you so much, guys, for being on the podcast and telling me about the work that you're doing. I hope that people are as inspired as I am by you because this was really amazing. Thank you again. Thank you for letting us come to this podcast. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. It's been great to be on. (laughs) Thank you for having us on here. Thanks again for listening, everyone. If you want to learn more about Ocean Heroes or their founders, Lonely Whale and Captain Planet, head to OceanHeroesHQ.com or find them on Instagram at OceanHeroesHQ. 
If you liked today's episode, you'd probably also enjoy episode 103, Symptoms of Climate Change, episode 7, Takeout and Food Rescue, and episode 50, Global Climate Strike. You can find all of those and more in our archives wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to contact the show, you can send an email to practicallyzerowaste at gmail.com or message me on Instagram at practicallyzerowastepod. Leave me a review or support the show by going to coffee.com slash Callahan. That's K-O hyphen F-I dot com. All your support helps pay for the little things like website hosting, charging my batteries, simple stuff, but also for my time. It means a lot to be paid for the work that goes into the show every single week. So thank you to all who have supported the show and continue to do so. You're great. That's all from me this week. Hope you are all safe and well, that you're behaving and respecting others in this pandemic, and that you're getting outside to appreciate the world that we're fighting to save. Have a great week, everyone, and talk to you soon.